Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Happy Tuesday, everybody, and welcome in to another edition of GC Live Talking Tuesday Nights. He's intern Joe. I'm Mike. You appreciate you guys tuning in with us as South Carolina, just like we are here tonight. We look forward to turning the page and talking about South Carolina's next opponent, which is Furman. I mean, we will have plenty of to t- we'll have plenty to talk to. I mean, let's just put it for, for oh yeah, because we <laughs> finally see what South Carolina was going to look like in Week One, and obviously there's a lot. A lot of work that they have to do before they get ready for SEC play. And, I mean, this Furman team, and we'll talk about it. Shane Beamer said today, this is not your typical your typical FCS matchup. This is a team who, in FCS, they're ranked number six. They outgained Clemson a year ago. They have a lot of veteran players. And that's not to say South Carolina shouldn't take care of business here and win. But, again, this is not Charlotte or SCS um, or South Carolina State from a year ago. All right, Joe, as we do every Tuesday. Oh, yeah. Just your biggest takeaway from today, listening to Shane Beamer or from listening to the players. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think, you know, from the players' 
aspect. I was really interested to hear from Nick Gargiulo and Vershawn Lee. Obviously, the two offensive linemen um, get picked for um, a week where the offensive line struggled. I was really impressed with what both of them had to say. Obviously, two leaders on the offensive line represented their group pretty well. They they both acknowledged the elephant in the room that they weren't really good on Saturday and that they have to pick it up. Um, one thing that stood out to me about them is how much they emphasize protecting the quarterback. You can tell it hurt them a little bit on how much they let you know UNC get to Spencer. Um, so that stood out to me. I think, you know, their MO pretty much going forward will be to protect the quarterback and run the ball a little bit more efficiently. So I was impressed with them. And then obviously from Shane, um, he said a lot. I was, um, you know, what I guess what stood out to me was the fact that I, I, I guess I didn't realize that some of the reserves on the offensive line were dinged up as well. And so how much of a awkward position that put them in um, in terms of, of substituting and that kind of thing. That was one thing. And then, I mean, just how much they – like nobody's really hanging their head on this loss at all. Like, yes, mm-hmm. it's stunk, but everyone is on to Furman, and they're, they're certainly acknowledging Furman for, for the opponent that they are. Um, they're definitely not a walkthrough by any means um, and a really, really good FCS school, like you said, Mike. And so, I mean – I. Other than that, I think it's pretty much just everything you'd expect out of a out of a loss or a Tuesday press conference out of a loss, um, you know. Yeah, and I think too. Look, you mentioned it with Nick Gargiulo. You mentioned it with Vershawn Lee. I'm going to play some of that audio as well as Shane Beamer. You want to get the focus? Too. The focus was the offensive line. Today. I mean, there's no question about that. And I get the frustration from the fan base. Okay, you have every right to be upset. Totally understand that. But with that being said, what what do you want Shane Beamer to say today? What do you want the players to say? They took accountability, right? Took accountability, you move on, you correct some things. Now, there are some things, and I kind of hinted at it yesterday on the form on Gamecock Central, but I'm going to share a little bit more tonight. So if you stick around for GC Live talking Tuesday nights, I'll be putting something out there to keep an eye on this week. But I just like the fact that, hey, look, they acknowledged it. They moved on. I mean, there's not much more you can do. It's week freaking one. All right? I I hate to be the wet blanket in the room. The wet blanket. South Carolina wasn't going to win the freaking national championship. They weren't going to go to the college football playoff this year. I think a majority of people believe that. But there's some people, because they lose the week one, they lose the week one against North Carolina, which, by the way, and I'm yeah. so glad Beamer brought it up. Just because North Carolina's defense stunk last year. And, Joe, how many times did we talk about this last week? The last two weeks. Just because they stunk defensively a year ago didn't mean crap going into this game. If anything, if people did their homework, and I'm not sitting here saying that, you know, they're the 85 beers, all right? That's not what I'm saying. What I'm trying to get at is this. Gene Chizik, all right, really good coach. Had a lot of success at Auburn, former head coach. He's in his second year at North Carolina as their defensive coordinator had a chance to be able to implement what he wanted to do a year ago, and then they were able to build off of it. Again, that's not saying that is the main reason why South Carolina had issues on their offensive line. There's many reasons why. At the end of the day, it comes down to execution. But this was not the North Carolina defense from a year ago. And I think as the season goes on, as the season goes on, not saying it will be some type of consolation prize, but I think more people will recognize that this North Carolina team as a whole, but especially their defense, is much better from a year ago. Much better. Yeah. 
So having said all that, I think the biggest takeaway, like I said, is just you acknowledge it. You're not downplaying things. You recognize it. And as Beamer mentioned, and I'll get into it a little bit more in a little bit, they're fooling around with the possibility of moving some guys around the offensive line. Yes, I understand you get the you get the two deep that comes out, but honestly, the two deep means nothing. It means absolutely nothing. But as many as there are on it nowadays, yep. Mike. Yeah. I mean, Marquis Anderson, who is doubtful, and we'll talk about the long list of players who are injured as well as the disappointing news today with Mo Caba, uh, being done for the season with a knee injury. But Marquis Anderson, he was on the two deep, and guess what? Gets banged up. He doesn't travel with the team. So things happen. Um, I, I do want to play, though, the, the package that I did today on South Carolina. And as I typically do here on this program, I begin it with the soundbite, but you'll hear some of the commentary in between with me. But in this package, you'll hear from Vershawn Lee. You'll hear from Nick Gargiulo. And you'll also hear from Shane Beamer. And there's something that Nick that – Shane said towards the end, but Nick did too, that I really want to hit on. I really want to hit on. But let's just take a listen, yeah. and we'll kind of just go from there. We'll have our thoughts, and we already have a bunch of people weighing in. We appreciate it. Let us know what you think about this past weekend's game, and also let us know what you thought about South Carolina today at their press conference. Absolutely. Here we go. Let's roll the tape. We weren't good with technique. We weren't good with fundamentals. We weren't good with, you know, things we prepared for, um, and it was on display. I could do better to help my team put them in better positions because a lot of the things I need to improve on, it's a lot of things that everybody needs to improve on, but we all need to continuously get better so to put out better performances each week in and out. Despite struggling to keep Spencer Rattler upright, USC's quarterback somehow managed to put together one of the better performances by a quarterback this weekend by throwing for over 350 yards and completing 77% of his passes. For as ugly as it was, our quarterback guys went 30 of 39 uh, and got sacked nine times. Now think about that. He went 30 of 39, played his rear end off, uh, and got sacked nine times. So as we get that cleaned up, uh, we will continue to get better for sure. Uh, you find out a lot about your team in game one. We certainly learned a lot, but I'm excited about this team, and uh, we have to get better. And uh, and we will giving hope that if the blocking up front improves, along with getting Juice Wells back, who, oh, by the way, he practiced on Tuesday, the Gamecocks will be able to correct their offensive woes quickly. I know everybody right now, they're the easy targets to get, you know, to criticize the offense line. Well, get your shots in now is what I would tell people. And then when they start playing their ass off as this year goes throughout the season, make sure you're giving them credit, too, as the year goes on. Also, it obviously didn't happen fast enough, but it's a 12 week season. You know, I'm not. Uh, you know, one week happened. Um, the season's three months long, and we're going to do everything we can to to correct it and, and come back as a better unit on Saturday. The injury. So there you go. There you go. And the two things I really want to talk about towards the end, right? Again, accountability. It's a big part. It's a big uh, part. Especially right? in this program. But two things that stood out to me. One, what Shane Beamer said there, which was – if you want to take your shots, take your shots right now. Take your shots right now, because I believe in this unit they're going to get better. There's some people, and I saw this on social media, and I'm not just picking on one or two people, but because I know that if one or two people are saying it on social media, that means there's a bunch more that are thinking that. They're just not putting it out there. Beamer saying that today publicly shows his players that 
he has their back. I mean, that's what it comes down to. It's nothing more than that. So if you're under the impression or you would rather Beamer just, hey, don't talk about it, be about it. I'm all about that. I totally get that. But at the same time, too, we're dealing with kids between what? Sometimes 17, 18 years old, up to 22, 23 years old. He wants to let them know publicly, publicly, because going behind the scenes, of course he's letting them know that. But it means something when they go out, these coaches, and they speak to the media, and they're in front of the cameras. They're sending a message. How they go about things, right? And you can go to Nick Saban. I know Will Muschamp. I know that's a, it's a, it's a word that people don't want to hear around here. But Bill Belichick, you just go down the list. There are certain coaches that when they go in front of the cameras, they are sending a message to their team. And Beamer, he's very laid back for the most part. But there are also times where you see him get a little fiery. He has yeah. that passion in him. And today was one of those days, and he's sending a message to his team, letting them know, hey, look, this is the reality, okay? You had a bad week. It was a really bad week, really bad week. And you know what? We're going to clean things up. We're going to move some things around, but I got your back. Yeah. I told you in the locker room I got your back. I'm going to go in front of these cameras, though. I'm going to take one off the chin. And he was getting peppered with questions, and rightfully so. But at the end of the day, he's going to let his players know he has their back. So, yeah. look, again, what they do from here, if this is week four or whatever and they're not able to make progress, totally understand it. Totally get it. But as far yeah. as where they are right now, it's one game. It's a really bad game. But, again, we talked about this. They were banged up. It's not trying to make excuses. It's just the reality. They were banged up. Their left tackle got hurt in the spring. Their right tackle goes down about three or four plays into the game, second series. And <laughs> – you're trying to incorporate a new offensive line after losing three of your starters from a year ago. And oh, by the way, you have a new OC and your top receiver goes down. It's pretty tough to do. And the fact that they were able to complete 30 or 39 passes, no turnovers is incredible. And it also yeah. shows me, Joe, that if as bad as it was, if they could have cleaned things up, even just 50%, right? Give up about four or five sacks. That's still bad. Still bad. But, they, they may have had a chance to actually win that game if they were able to do that because of how bad they struggled in the red zone. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, I completely agree with Shane, you know, saying take the shots now because, you know, down the road when they're a lot better, you know, you're not going to be able to take those shots. It's not going to be as easy. And I fully agree, right? So first thing for me on, on the offensive line is where have we heard this story before? I vividly remember hearing it last season with this offensive line in Georgia State. Shane brought that up as well. You know, after the Georgia State game, everyone was complaining about the offensive line. And sure enough, I mean, they went to Arkansas and didn't have the best of games. But we saw by the end of the year what the offensive line developed into. So I think that should give you some hope. And then, too, I think by Shane, Mike, you're right. I, I think it's huge for him to, you know, have his players' backs publicly and and tell people to take the shots because – like we're we're in the media, we're the ones taking the shots. So for him to say that in in the public forum to the media, like obviously he's saying that, you know, behind the scenes and stuff. But Tuesday, the the, the media availabilities is where they're able to kind of get the message out. And obviously they're seeing about seeing all the stuff about the offensive line, and the offensive line clearly is seeing it too. And I mean, right now after that performance, all the shots are deserved. But it 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 you know further down the road it's, it's going to progress into something. It's week one. It's very hard for every single unit to be on the same page. So I don't think there's really that much of a need for 
overreaction. Um, Mike, we do have some questions. Do we want to get to some of those? Let's get to questions in a little bit. All right, sounds good. I want to weigh in on a, a couple more. All right, yeah. I have. Keep we've we've got them. We're getting to them. Keep keep firing them at us. Get get the pop up ads going on over here. Put the stats back for you guys. The other thing too is this. Okay. This was South Carolina's first game with Dow Loggins. And I asked Beamer to talk about it a little bit tonight or early, earlier this afternoon, excuse me, but I wanted to bring it up tonight. Is that, yes, you can sit here and you could have sat there on Sunday when you're thinking back to the game and be like, man, you know, why didn't they have some of these things prepared for? They did. But just the reality is, and we mentioned it too, they're a young team. They are a young, young team. And depth is a big concern for this team. That's why going into last week, Shane brought it up that not only were they going to be traveling with about, what, I think it was 13 freshmen they ended up traveling with, true freshmen, um, had even more you know, redshirted freshmen in there, and they would have had Marquis Anderson if he didn't get dinged up late last week. But I bring that up because you traveled a lot of freshmen and a lot of freshmen actually played. And yet there were still some people that were upset saying, where's this guy? Where's that guy? What did we talk about last week? What did Shane say two freaking weeks ago? It's like, how quickly do people forget these things? That at the end of the day, they're freshmen. All right? Hey, why do we have Luke Doty out there? Why do we have the well, – you know what? Is it possible that a freaking 17, 18-year-old kid isn't ready to go up against a Power 5 team week one? I mean, they're not playing TikTok Tech week one. They're not playing no. TikTok Tech. They're not out any, there, and they're playing a Power 5 team. Again, not saying that North Nashville Carolina's ranked. defense was the was the freaking 85 Bears or they're going up against the greatest oh, show on sure. turf, you know, from an offensive standpoint. But they're going into their first game, and it's against a Power 5 team, and it's on prime time. It's in prime time. So, yes, you know, Nicholas Harbor, yeah, he only had 10 snaps. Okay, you keep going down the list of the number of snaps players got. And I don't know how many of those were actually offensively. I'll go back and we'll pull up the stat sheet from Chris Clark, who did a great job with that. But the whole point is going back to what Shane Beamer mentioned two weeks ago, which is be patient with these freshmen. Now, some of these freshmen were thrown right into the mix the other night. They had no choice because of injuries. And some of those freshmen, they did a phenomenal job. Phenomenal job. Jalen Kilgore. I mean, you could not have asked for a better performance from him. And in a sense, and unfortunately, in a sense, it was very similar to what we saw a year ago. And we'll get into the injury report in a little bit, but Nick Eamon Worry, he's doubtful for this week. So you need to be able to have these young players to be able to, you know, use them. But how quickly are they going to be able to get there? Because not every player is going to be able to be on that level that some fans would like them to be. And we're going through. We see, you know, where was Braswell? Why wasn't Harbor used enough? Why wasn't this? Why wasn't that? It's just like, just because they were a freaking five-star or four-star coming out of high school does not mean they're going to be ready to go out there and play 30, 40, 60 snaps, sometimes even 20. But, you know, don't take it from me. And don't take it from me. Up, right? like, no. like that, that, I mean, almost everybody on that roster was dealing with camp injuries and stuff like that. So I think 
Nick's the reason why Nick wasn't in the game as much is probably because he was hurt, still dealing with that injury that they talked about. And I agree, he, you know, it's it's really hard to put a freshman in that position. And Shane talked about it today with Pop Howard. I loved his point on Pop Howard, just saying like as the game went on, it's really really hard to get a freshman in, you know, to his first game action, especially as that game went along and as as it re- like got closer to the end, you realized you probably weren't going to win the game. Uh, so to put Pup Howard in that situation after having not practiced as much because he has to be banged up. up. Yep. Yes. Correct. Yes. Bill. It would have been very, very hard. And I, per- I, I agree with the position. Not so to Pup Howard in that let's spot. listen. Let's listen to Shane Beamer, though. This is what Shane Beamer had to say two weeks ago. OK. And the reason I'm bringing this up is because as we head into this game, yes, there's going to be some tweaks. But I, I feel like this fan base, I'm not saying everybody. But a portion of this fan base needs to be reminded of this. Just because they're a five-star coming out of high school, just because they're a four-star coming out of high school, does not mean they're going to be ready week one. And people can blame the coaching all the way. Well, take a step back and listen to what Shane had to say, okay? There's all these high expectations for freshmen when they come in here. We literally just talked about it in our team meeting this morning. Like, it's okay if you're not quite ready to go out there and play 50 plays against North Carolina next week. It's okay if you're not quite ready to go out there and play 20 plays because I didn't realize it, but we talked about it in the team meeting. Um, O'Donnell Fortune, Jordan Strawn, um, who else did we talk about? Boogie Huntley, Spencer Rattler, the carry-on joiner, Vershawn Lee, Ja'Kai Moore, all those guys, here's a little depth chart preview, all those guys should be starters for us in game one, and every single one of them redshirted. And everybody thinks, well, they're going to come in, I'm going to play 40 plays, 50 plays, and I'm going to be the man because there's all these expectations. And we got a great freshman class. Like every single one of them is going to be a great player here at Carolina. But it's okay. Everybody on the outside expects you to be this megastar right now in game one. It's okay if you're not quite there. Like it's our job as coaches to continue to bring you along and develop you. And we're going to be a better team and you're going to be a better player in November than you are right now. But uh, sometimes I think we as fans, sometimes as coaches, just, you know, understand there's, excuse me, understand there's still 18 year old young men and um, they're, they're working to get there and they've got high expectations and they want to be great. And it's our job as coaches to, help them get there as well. But it may not happen just right now, but uh, they're all going to be really good players for us. But those are things that certainly I spent a lot of time thinking about um, and we do talk about as a team too. So again, that's Shane Beamer two weeks ago, but I think the message is so important to replay today because again, after this past weekend, why wasn't this player out there? Why wasn't that player out there? They're going up against a power five team. Not everyone is going to be ready to go week one. And as Joe brought up, and as Joe brought up, there's guys who were banged up who missed some time in practice. Okay. So that's just one week. Now, getting ready for Furman. Getting ready for Furman. This is a Furman team who, on paper, on paper, when you just say FCS Furman, South Carolina shouldn't have any issues beating them, right? Well, yes and no. Again, this isn't South Carolina State from a year ago. This isn't even Charlotte, all right? This is a Furman team who's playing very, very well. Very, very good. They are very, very sound. They are a team that outgained Clemson a year ago. They led the country in in takeaways or interceptions. 
led the country in block kicks a year ago, and they are the number six ranked team in the land for FCS. So I say all that because, to put it in Shane Beamer's words, this is not a week where USC can just take a breath, okay? They can't just, everything's good. No, 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 no. This is going to be a good matchup for them. Now, they should certainly be able to handle them, right? I think the size, the speed, the strength, they should be able, as the game plays out, they should be able to to win this game by a couple scores. But don't be shocked if USC goes out there and they, they struggle a little bit at first. They have a very tough opponent two weeks from today or two weeks from now in Georgia. We know that. And that's when SEC play picks up, all right? You're banged up heading into this game. That's not making excuses. Again, that's just the reality of it. You have a Furman team coming in here. They have won eight of their last nine games. The only loss in that span was in the playoffs last year by three points. They feel like they can win this game. You read and you hear what some of the players had to say today at Furman from their press conference from this afternoon. They're confident. They feel like they can come into Williams-Brice and beat the Gamecocks. And why shouldn't they? Why shouldn't they? Especially after what we saw from this past week. So it goes without saying, Joe, but to me, it's just about keeping Rattler upright. And even if you can just make, even if you can just make some type of improvement to the point where it's just 50%, 50%, and obviously I don't expect Furman to be as good in the trenches as North Carolina. But if you can just make improvements, just 50% based on what we saw from Rattler last week, the offense shouldn't have any issues this week. Yeah. I love Hunter brought up a great point here. I went back and watched some of the offensive snaps and it looked to me like a lot of mental errors rather than a lack of talent. I think, I feel like this team will improve and look better. I couldn't agree more, right? I, I think it was, especially on the offensive line, a little bit more of a mental thing. Nick Gargiulo was talking about it. Some of it was, you know, um, indicating that, you're, you know, it's a pass or a run. And obviously t- down towards the end of the game, you're down a couple scores, you're going to be passing the ball anyways. But uh, I think offensive line-wise, it's it's just a more of a, a mental error kind of thing and just getting in the game and, and, and playing somebody else, right? Like playing – a different color. Um, you need that to, to work out the kinks in a system for, uh, as an offensive line and as an offense too. So I, I think the key to Furman is if you can keep Spencer clean, he's going to make the right decisions with the football um, to win you this game. And you're right, Mike, Furman's no joke. When you – a lot of people hear FCS and just think it's, it's an automatic win, but you don't really look into the rankings and the other side of it and realize Furman is one of the best FCS, FCS teams in the land. So – they're no cupcake, but if you're South Carolina, if you do what you're supposed to do and execute in all phases of the game, you're going to win as you should. And again, and Michael, I'm just picking on you a little bit because I know you just said this. I'm not saying that South Carolina is going to lose this game. South Carolina should win. I expect them to win. But this is not going to be as smooth sailing, in my opinion, in comparison to what we saw against some FCS teams last year. That's all I'm saying. And even lower FBS teams. That's all it is. That's all it is. Yep. You know, I expect South Carolina to win. But, again, how do they correct things on the offensive line? Now, one thing that I will say, I kind of hinted at it on Gamecock Central last night. Michael, I appreciate you tuning in and, and 
sharing your thoughts. Lady Bree, everyone. Big Red, appreciate everyone that's on here tonight. Travis, South Carolina is tinkering with the O-line. I hinted on the forum on Gamecock Central last night that don't be surprised, don't be surprised to see Nick Gargiulo move over to left tackle. Okay? Don't be surprised to see Gargiulo, who had a pretty good game, all things considered, right? I mean, and I know it's it's tough to say based on what the unit did as a whole. And I'm not saying Gargiulo played a perfect or a clean game by any means, but he was one of your better offensive linemen the other night. Gargiulo has experience of playing left tackle. And I know some people are going to roll their eyes and say, well, he played at Yale. Well, just a heads up. The leading tackler in the NFL for the past two seasons, he also went to Yale. Okay, so there's guys that come out of Yale, that come out of the Ivy Leagues, that come out of some of these FCS schools that are pretty freaking good. And I still think Argillo is going to have a phenomenal year here. So I say that because I'm not going to be shocked to see Gargiulo play left tackle this week, despite what, again, what the two deep said yesterday. And something else to keep an eye on, Ja'Kai Moore being bumped out to right tackle. So, again, those are two things to keep an eye on this week. I know that was not announced on the two deep, but that is something that I have been hearing, that both those players are getting some work at tackle this week. Yeah, and what that means for the rest of the offensive line is still to be seen, but it's something to keep an uh, keep uh, an eye on because I think both those guys could do a great job. Ja'Kai Moore has played both left and right tackle. Sean Lee was hinting at it a little bit, um, just saying that they were working in different spots, which I think is super healthy, right, for the offensive line. If you're working in different spots, you know what everyone else should be able or should be doing. Um, so I think, especially after a game where you saw. You know, your depth not really be on the same page with your starters. I think that's super healthy um, where you can get some of the starters working in different positions. So that way when they are in the game and there is, you know, a substitute, the starter knows exactly what, you know, the rotation guy has to do and, and vice versa, mm-hmm. right? Like I, I think it's it's kind of a breath of fresh air and exactly what this offensive line needs. Well, and the other thing too, Joe, is and because there's some people that will hear that and they'll be like, oh, man, there goes – you know, five weeks of preseason camp out the window. Well, slow down, slow down. Because Beamer even hinted at it today. I think Gargiulo may have mentioned it as well. These guys, especially the offensive linemen, they have been working at numerous positions all preseason camp, okay? So Gargiulo, if he does get bumped out to left tackle or he's playing one of the tackle positions, if Ja'Kai Moore gets bumped out to right tackle, which, oh, by the way, if you look at the two deep this week, Yes, he's the starting right guard, but he's also the or at right tackle, okay? They've also been getting work at these other positions on the offensive line. We've mentioned that with Gargiulo. How many times did we say it, even going back to the spring, that Gargiulo is like a utility player in baseball, for crying out loud. You could plug him in anywhere on the offensive line. So, look, will all the problems be solved on the offensive line, even if this does happen and Gargiulo moves out to left tackle and Ja'Kai Moore moves over the right? Certainly not. We're going to have to see what that middle looks like. We already know that Marquis Anderson is doubtful for this weekend. We already know that Jason Henry, he's out for this weekend. So there's going to be some musical chairs on the offensive line, and now it's just trying to find a group of five that play well together, that mesh well together. But they have been doing this going back to preseason camp going back to the spring. So it's not like they're like, oh, man, I don't know what's going to happen. Man, you know, Atkins is not the O-line coach. Um, you need you need to just, you know, 
let's see what the offensive line looks like once they get that starting five. Yeah, absolutely. No, I agree. And, and Greg Atkins isn't the offensive line coach, by the way. And I'm actually real happy for Atkins and Milady Bree. I'm not trying to give you a hard time. But if Greg Atkins was still the offensive line coach, he would be the scapegoat today. He would have been yeah. the scapegoat all weekend. This has nothing to do with that. It has nothing to do with that. Mike, you want to hit some comments before we hit the ads and then uh, open up the phones? Let's do it. All right, cool. So we've got Big Red. Was the NC game a wake-up call to a good team who didn't take it as serious, or is there a bigger problem with our offensive line? Big Red, I, I think it's it's a wake-up call to, to a good team. I, I don't necessarily think we know how good this team can be. We know how certain spots can be, i.e. the quarterback. We know exactly how good he can be. Um, so I, I, I think it's more of a wake-up call to a good team. And it's week one, right? You don't know what kind of team you have until you, you know, go out there. And I think, you know, they didn't under – or they didn't lower my expectations or, or whatever they could be, their, their potential, if you want uh, if you want to say that. Like, I don't think they underperformed in any way. I think this was always in the realm of possibility. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think, look, and it's – we're going to sound like a broken record here, but there were flaws with this team going into this game that we were well aware of. Right. And I know we haven't even talked about the running back position. And that's not to say that there's not a level of concern that you should have after week one. But again, when you're not getting any type of push, any type of push from your offensive line and the passing game and the run game, it's going to be difficult to really do anything. And again, the fact that Rattler was able to have the type of game that he put together, that that seems like we talk about video game numbers. That's video game numbers. To get sacked nine times, but to still have a 77% completion percentage? I mean, are you kidding me? To throw the ball over 350 yards, no turnovers? You just don't see that. You don't see that. I mean, there was a crazy stat. It was all the top performances by quarterbacks in week one. There's probably about 15 names. I think I showed this to you, Joe. You did, yeah, at the press, during the press conference today. Only one of them lost. And only one of them lost, and that was Rattler. Mm. Only one of them lost. But uh, I, I think more than anything, I think it showed South Carolina what some of their flaws are, are. They know what some of them were. They obviously got banged up a little bit. But that's why I'm optimistic that they'll be able to make those adjustments. Now, you got a tough opponent in two weeks. You can't look over the fence too early and worry about the, the, the Bulldogs. you got to take care of Furman this week. Yeah, but that's why I'm optimistic that they will be able to make some adjustments on offense. Defensively, just throw this real quick, Joe. Defensively, it just comes down to finishing tackles. They yeah, were in position to have multiple tackles for a loss or stop runs that only would go maybe for two or three yards. It yep. just comes down to tackling. They were in position. Especially, just yeah. Not tackle. We talked about earlier just how the offense is more mental lapses. I think it's even more so for the defense, right? Mm -hmm. They were in the right position. They were, you know, really in good spots to make plays all night. It just didn't go your way. That's week one, right? You're not going to be able to tackle you know, the best week one, I, I think Clayton White's system is nothing to be worried about. You've seen the athletes and, and the productivity that can really come out of this defense. And people, a lot of people are saying, why didn't we get more of a push up front? Why didn't we get, you know, more of a push from the edge? It's because the guys that you started at edge hadn't played a college football game in two years. So, um, you know, you, you kind of have to, the, the defensive line, at least, it's going to take a couple games. So they're full swing, ready to go. Um, Alex asked, do you think people are freaking out too much about the team? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's week one. I think um, now granted there are some things to that are worth 
calling out, if you will. Um, but I, I, again, I think it's week one. Like, like I literally just said, it's, it's a lot of mental stuff that you can get through and just rep out and practice kind of like Dodie was saying earlier too. Look, it's the SEC. When you lose games, I don't care who you're going up against. I understand that there's going to be some type of backlash. So I think what we've seen for the most part, I think has been fair. I think the people that are saying Rattler is not the guy or, Hey, we need to put sellers out there instead. Someone that can move around. It's just like, slow down, slow yeah. down. Okay. Stop it. Stop it. You know, mix in a water. But I, I think really the big thing about this is it's week one. It's week one. If this was say week four. Okay. Because yes. I mean, Absolutely. I'm not trying to point, accept Mark. the fact that if South Carolina lays an egg next week against Georgia, that it's like, oh, hey, that's acceptable. How do they compete next week? Do they fight even if they were to lose? And I'm again, not trying to wave the, the white flag, but what I'm trying to get at is once we get to at least week four, all right, they're going up against a Mississippi State team who, at least at this point, despite what we saw from the offensive line this past weekend, I think a lot of us would say that is a game that should be fairly even. Okay. Now there's some Gamecock fans that will take that as an insult, but the point being is that's a game I could see going either way. When we see the sp- when we see the spread that week, I wouldn't be shocked if South Carolina's favorite. I would not be shocked to see Mississippi State favorite, even though they're on the road. That's how much of a toss-up game I think that can be. But the point is, if you do what you did this past weekend against Mississippi State, once we get to Week Four, you're not able to make some type of progress this week against Furman. You lay an egg completely, and you're not able to do anything against Georgia. Yes, then the panic. I think is justifiable, but right now it's one game. Yep. It's one game. Yep. It's okay. Breathe, move on to the next one. Michael asks, what has happened to Babalade? And I'm not only concerned with O-line talent level, but the depth is a concern as well. Um, I th- Tree's good to go. I believe he just didn't play um, just because I don't think he was one of those guys. Same thing with Pop Howard, right? I think it was one of those situations where you don't want to throw a freshman in especially at that point where the defensive line was killing him. And tree, you knew tree situation from everything I've been told. He's just a little bit, fr- I mean, in comparison to pup trees, a little bit further away from being able to get in there in comparison to pup. I think we'll see pup get a good amount of snaps next week. Gonna and they're going to need him. They're going to need him to, you know, and especially the, the course of the season towards the end of the game. Um, you know, if everything goes well, I think we will see tree tree uh, tree is still a little bit, it's, it's taken him a little bit longer. But, again, going back to that quote from Shane Beamer from two weeks ago, there's going to be guys like that that are freshmen, and that's not a bad thing. No. I think people worry so much because well, – The offensive line last year was all sophomores. Like, it, it took them a while to crack into the starting lineup too, and that offensive line played a lot some of games. People, some people get so caught up with, well, you know, this guy was, you know, a four-star or five-star coming out of high school. That doesn't necessarily mean they have to be the guy that plays right away. And we've mentioned this before. The closer you are to the ball, sometimes that can be tougher because there's just more responsibility and you have to be more fundamentally sound. And this has come from a former defensive back. So we were playing them farther away from the ball. You can get away with some of that stuff. Not saying, you you know, you don't want to be fundamentally sound, but usually it's more natural ability at that point. And you're able to cover up some of that other stuff that comes along the way. So, look, I think Tree's going to be fine. I wouldn't put a lot of stock into it if Tree appears in, you know, X amount of games this year or he doesn't, you know, play it all next week. Again, he's a freshman, all right? Give him a grace period. It's okay. 
You have a really, really, really talented freshman class. You're going to have another talented class coming in for the class of 2024. They're going to develop together. They're going to develop together. Yeah, two questions from Tommy. Tommy, I'm going to pair this one with your most recent one. Where are the rest of the running backs on the depth chart? have not heard this question asked yet. So the QB that's starting at running back is the best option we have at running back out of the four to five on the roster. I'm I'm assuming they're relatively the same question. Mm -hmm. Mike, you want to take it? Yeah, I mean, look. Juju McDowell has the most experience in the SEC at running back, and we knew that going into the season. However, because of the performance that DeCarion Joyner had, not just in the spring, and I'm not talking about just spring game. I'm talking about spring practices. Spring practices and what he did in fall camp, he quickly earned the trust of South Carolina's coaching staff. Now, if we want to sit here, we want to nitpick and be like, oh, he was a quarterback in high school. Yeah, we understand that, okay? But at the same time, too, guess what? Shane Beamer, they didn't recruit him to go play running back, okay? He got recruited to play quarterback here. Things didn't work out there. I think we can all agree just based on the talent that's in that quarterback room from a consistency standpoint, you're going to put Rattler obviously out there. So what's naturally the second best thing you could do? Well, wide receiver didn't work out over there. Put him at running back. Now, I had a lot of people bring up a, a story I wrote maybe, I don't know, a couple months back saying, you know, don't sleep on Joyner at running back. I will quickly raise my hand. Again, let's get to that week four mark at least. I will quickly raise my hand and say, you know what? I was dead wrong. I was dead wrong. I expected this to be a little bit better. I'm not saying that DK is going to be the next George Rogers or the next Marcus Lattimore, but I was expecting some type of consistency. If it doesn't get to that point by the Mississippi State game, I will raise my hand. But I think the verdict's still out. I don't think you can just base DK and this whole running back room as a whole just off that one game. Because like yeah. I said before, it's not just the running backs in that game. The offensive line really struggled. And I know Beamer mentioned it today, you know, pile up on the, the, the offensive line. Yeah, pile up on them right now. Because I do think they're going to get better. And when they do get better, passing game I think is going to improve. And guess what happens when the passing game improves? the run game is going to be able to open up a little bit too. It all works together, hand in hand. So the verdict, in my opinion, Joe, is still out there on the running back room, and yeah. that includes the carry on Joyner. The other guys, though, again, you have a transfer in there from Newberry, just could be taking a little bit of time, and then Braswell, very talented running back, but he's a four-star. This whole thing about Twitty, no disrespect to Twitty, but th these are the guys that you expect, right? Twitty's going to continue to work his tail off. I know he is. But the guys that we expect in that running room to play consistently are going to be Joyner, Juju, um, uh, Mario Anderson, if he's able to continue to come along. And if Braswell is able to grow, we expect him to go out there. That's not to say that Twitty won't see time, but I think he's much further behind based on what we've been told. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the last was Harbor not going to play. And also Big Red, I think we kind of – Answered your question without one, too. So, um, Phil asked, yeah, was Harbor not going to play? Was Harbor not going to play the other night? Yeah. Yeah. He Harbor did, was going to play. Saying, he did play. Yeah. Harbor played the yeah. other night. He, well, he had, ten, he had 10 snaps. Now, I don't know if that's 10 snaps, including special teams. He I gotta was go back. banged up, right? He like, was banged up. Yeah. He, yeah. he was banged yeah. up. Missed yeah. a portion of preseason. I literally camp. just had this conversation in, in my kitchen with my roommate on why Nicholas Harbor didn't play as much. It's because um, I think if he were at 100%, I still don't think he would have – I mean, you may would have oh. seen him a little bit more. Maybe they try to throw him the ball a little bit, but I, I, don't, I don't think you see him that much more. I don't think it's – He's a freshman. He's coming along. Yes. We've talked about this before. 
one thing that we have seen, at least in the practices that we've been at, is just being more consistent with catching the football. That doesn't mean Nicholas Harbor can't catch a freaking football. Okay, don't get that twisted. However, and I wasn't here for it, but this is what I continue to get reminded of when I have conversations with people around the program. There was another guy that had some issues with just catching the ball consistently as a freshman. His name was Demir Bird. Obviously, two totally different body types, right? Both guys are very fast, but Demir turned out to be pretty damn good at South Carolina, and he's had a pretty good career in the NFL as well. So, again, be patient with some of these freshmen. Yeah, no worries, Tommy. We, we always got you. Keep chiming in. Thank you for watching. Um, Brian asked, do you know why QB2 took snaps at wide receiver over Landon Sampson? I mentioned this a little bit after the game the other night. Um, again, I don't want to share too much when it comes to family stuff, but I will say that the Sampson family has been dealing with something, family-related matter, and I don't know how much of Landon's attention has been towards has been turned to that, but uh, just continue to keep the Sampson family in your prayers, and hopefully we'll see Landon out there soon. But I know that something took place around, I'd say, middle or towards the end of preseason camp, and the Sampson family has, um, you know, have been dealing with a lot lately. But you know, again, just continue to keep them in their prayers. I don't want to share too much more than that. But uh, hopefully we'll see Landon out there because I know that obviously a year ago when he arrived here, talented player out of the state of Texas, a lot of people are excited to see him grow. And trying to continue to stack good days on top of good days is the biggest thing I've been told about him. So going through a period of time where, you know, you're dealing with a personal matter from the family in the middle of camp, it can derail you a little bit. So hopefully Landon's able to get out there and continue to stack good days on top of good days, because I'm very excited to see what that young man can do. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Mike, you ready to get to an ad? Let's get to the ads. Absolutely. All right. First ad of the night is from our good friends over at Liberty Tax. Tax Tax-iety is that uncertain feeling you get right before doing your taxes, but you don't have to go through it alone. The Liberty Tax team or the tax team at Liberty Tax and Irma Lexington and Columbia will walk you through the process, clear up any confusion, and guarantee you'll get the biggest possible refund or your money back. It's tax time. If you're in a hurry for your refund, call the tax team at Liberty Tax, fast, accurate, and guaranteed. On the other hand, if you think you might be owing Uncle Sam, talks to, to the Liberty Tax team to make sure you're not paying more than you should owe. They'll find every possible deduction for you. Locally owned and operated, staffed by tax professionals from your neighborhood. Open 99 on weekdays and 9 to 5 on Saturdays with multiple service options. Start through the Liberty Tax mobile app or through the desktop portal. Make an appointment or just walk in. Give a call to upload your tax documents. And when you come in, your return will be ready to review and sign. Give them a call at 803-462-5576. Once again, 803-462-5576 for all of your tax needs. Today's show is also brought to you by our good friend, Clint Hammond of the Movement Mortgage. Clint has helped out so many people throughout the state when it comes to being able to purchase a home, trying to find the best rates. And if you're trying to buy a home or you've been trying to buy one for the last couple of months, you understand how difficult things are right now. The rates are just absolutely insane. Well, give Clint a call over at 803-771-6933, and he can help you find the best rate and make that process much easier for you. He did that for our very own Gamecock Central, Wes Mitchell, as well as former Gamecock quarterback, Perry Orth. So give Clint a call and let him know that Gamecock Central sent you supporter and sponsor of every GC Live show. Absolutely. Got a lot of uh, questions here 
But if you want to call on in, now's your time. We'll punch up that number for you. So that if you want to ask a question, you can do that. I'm going to pull that up right now. We'll open the phone line shortly, Joe. Yeah. Uh, the hour the hour really just flew by. I mean, it this uh, this yeah, hour like is really flown by. Answer some questions. I'm going to uh, get the number and throw it up here for you guys. So if you want to call in, I would recommend this too. If you haven't already, we do a segment each Monday and some of you are already aware of what I'm going to say, but some of you may be new to Gamecock central. You may be new to watching our show here. So we appreciate you tuning in. We do a segment on Monday called mixing a water Monday. And we have former Gamecock athletes do the shows with us. And they break down the game that was talking about the good, the bad, the ugly. And we had former Gamecock offensive lineman Garrett Anderson, who played for the Gamecocks between, was it 2006 and 2009, played a touch fork, Irmo guy, had a short stint in the NFL as well, coaches high school football, he's coached some college ball. He gave an incredible, incredible breakdown of what he noticed from the offensive line. Really good to the point where, and there you go, we have the number right there, pull it up for you, to the point where I had other former Gamecock players reaching out. I had people inside that building at USC reaching out saying, man, relay back to Garrett. Like we appreciate you. You know, there's a lot of stuff that he mentioned that was just good stuff that maybe to the, the naked eye or someone that has never played offensive line, they're not going to be able to notice. And he pointed that out. So we appreciate Garrett doing that again. Those, that is the number right there. 803-881-2233. Give us a call before we wrap things up here on this, Talking Tuesday night, Big Red says, how many games does a red shirt cover? Maybe we can play some of these young players. Get them in for Furman and Jacksonville State. Four games. Four games, Big Red, and that is in the regular season. The reason I preface that is because last year, heading into bowl season, and obviously we know that more players opt out of bowl games now. Some players enter the transfer portal. Numbers were all screwed up, and a lot of it has to do more so with the offensive and defensive lines. Because of that, the NCAA on the fly made a rule that allowed players to play in an additional game, playing a fifth game, if that fifth game happened to be a bowl game. Now, if there were, you know, in the college football playoff, which obviously college football playoff teams aren't going to opt out, but, you know, that would also include that. So that's what you have. That's what you have there. Uh, looks like intern Joe is getting the phones ready, waiting for the uh, thumb up here, and we'll keep things rolling. But again, appreciate everyone that tuned in tonight. Benjamin says, really enjoyed the Garrett Anderson interview. Yeah, me too. Garrett was really freaking good, really good with what he had to say and talking about the just the the different techniques and what he noticed. And I, I went back after doing the interview with Garrett. And he's spot on with some of those run opportunities yeah. that could be there for South Carolina if they're able to get to that second level. Who we got, Joe? Absolutely. We got Tommy on the line. Tommy, go ahead. Doesn't look like we can hear Tommy, so I'll let Joe relay the message to see what we got going on there. But, um, again, just – some of the things that Garrett mentioned, that technique standpoint and being able to just make some of those corrections, which, as he pointed out, they're correctable mistakes. You know, I think I'm paraphrasing here, but it's not like South Carolina has a bunch of six feet tall, 240 pound offensive linemen. OK, 
You know, you have guys that are are big boys. You have big boys that can move around out there. If they go out there and they execute the way that they're being coached, which goes back to something a little bit earlier, and it seems like Lady Bree, someone told you, um, Lonnie Teasley is the new offensive line coach. And I say new, I mean, he was the acting, the active, um, the acting offensive line coach from a year ago after the health scares that Greg Atkins went through and Greg Atkins remains an analyst. And Greg brings a lot of good things to the table that I don't think people realize, but and I'm not saying this to, to you, Lady Bray, but just in general, that would have been the, the scapegoat over the weekend to blame Greg. I'm going to see if we can pull up Joe here. We got an intern, Joe. We don't have the phone. That's all right. If you want to relay the message from Tommy, we can do that. Yeah, so um, I did. I realized what I did wrong um, with the phone line. So, Tommy, if you're still watching and you want to call back, give us a try again. We'll, we'll give it one more go before we uh, dismantle the phone lines completely. Um, that was entirely on me. It's all uh, good, Joe. Yeah, hey, just like the Gamecocks of offensive line. One, you know what? Accountability, accountability. You flush it and you move one. on to the next game. Yeah. Defensively, yeah. I do want to talk about some defense here. We mentioned the tackling. It has to be much better. It has yeah. to be much better. I, I don't think we look at it, and I understand. We talk about scapegoats, and this happens, right? I'll tell you who the scapegoats are going to be this season. You'll have Montario Hardesty, right, because there's some Gamecock fans that aren't happy with him. You'll have people blaming Lonnie Teasley, right? That will happen. And you'll have people that will start to blame Clayton White. And that's not to say that some of it isn't justifiable. What I'm trying to get at is there's always going to be the scapegoat. Defensively for the Gamecocks, they need to do a better job of just finishing freaking tackles. I really liked what they did the other night, for the most part, at least from a game plan standpoint. Stone Blanton looking a hell of a lot quicker in the middle at linebacker. He was really freaking good. And the more reps that he gets, he's going to get even better. But he was nimble. It appeared at times that White had him playing in like a QB spy. Who we got, Joe? Is it Tommy again? Tommy again. Yep, Tommy, try it, try it again. Tommy, thank you for calling in. We really appreciate you dealing with us. Joe, I'll let you lead things off. What's just your initial thoughts on yeah. what Tommy had to say? Absolutely. I think Tommy's got a great point. I think it's really tough in camp. Obviously, it's 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 a really tough thing to to be able to balance some of those injuries out um, from you know camp going into week one. And it's it really is just kind of 
a scramble, right? Because you want to go as hard as you can, get all the work in during fall camp that you can, push guys as hard as you can. But then all of a sudden just pump the brakes right before week one and just make sure that everyone's healthy, everyone's good to go. So, um, you know, I, I agree. I think, Tommy, it's a great observation because they were having the same issue last year. How do you fix it? I don't know. I'm not, I'm not a college football coach, but I, I think he does have a point. It has been a trend, especially for South Carolina as of late these last couple of years. And now every team does go through bumps and bruises, especially from camp and they're having carryover and stuff like that. And now again, I think this year it's a little bit more drastic because we saw it have a more direct impact on the, on the, on the football game. So um, I think that's the reason why you're seeing a little bit more of, or it, there's more attention on camp injuries is because it, it, it really did play a big impact in this football game. I don't want to put like a tinfoil hat on right now and be the conspiracist, you know, conspiracy theorist right here. But I think one thing, and it'd be interesting just to look at the landscape of college football, if more injuries are happening at the beginning of the year. And the reason I say that is, you know, camp's not what it used to be. As smart as we are becoming with being, you know, a little bit more cautious when it comes to the head and being able to space things out a little bit, the number of days that you can actually hit and be physical and all that kind of stuff, you're not able to get your body acclimated the same way as you used to, you know, I mean, we would do different drills back in college. And I'm sure if you, if anyone's watching that played high school football, you understand what I'm talking about. You would do things like that to get your body acclimated before games. You would do tackling circuits, you know, usually keeping the body up, but you're doing collisions. And the reason why you're doing that is because you're trying to get your body ready for the game. So I say that because not all of these injuries from the other night is a direct correlation to that, but it's yeah. just the bigger thing that I think of. Now, with that being said, and there were injuries last year, There's in, but one thing that I felt like for the most part through two seasons with Beamer, and again, injuries are going to happen. It's football. But through two seasons, even in the offseason, this offseason, there were a lot of people saying, man, you know, give a lot of credit to what Luke Day and his staff's doing, blah, blah, blah. And now, because there's a couple injuries, some people want to just make a pivot, do a 180 and start blaming, oh, Luke Day or blaming that. It's not Luke Day. It's not as simple as that. It's injuries. It happens. Okay. It happens. Um, now, what does South Carolina need to do in order to prepare better for that? Well, they have a lot of younger guys, and we talked about this. This is a, That's not going to change this year. That's just the reality of it. This team is young. Going into this season, we talked about it in the offseason. We've been doing GC Live Talking Tuesday shows year-round, and we talked about it in the offseason, which was this team is young, People want to talk about Spencer Rattler. People want to talk about Juice Wells. That's great, but they're young. And when you get past the first level for a lot of these positions, you have a lot of unproven guys out there. Yep. Unproven. Even a guy like Stone Blanton, who God bless him, had a phenomenal game the other night, and we'll see how he's able to progress as the season goes on. He only played a little bit last year on defense. So this is the reality of it. You are a young team. You are a young team. That doesn't mean, oh, man, this season is going to stink. Oh, you know, screw it. Let's just look ahead to 2024. No, but it's just the reality of where you are. It happens, okay? 
the game's changing. You also have to take into consideration not just guys that are transferring, not just guys who are um, going to be leaving the program early to you know pursue the NFL. The COVID year thing is screwing up a lot of things because this is going to continue. I was doing the math out. I think it's going to go until 2026, Joe. I think if you if you played in that 2020 season, if you were a freshman and then maybe have an injury year and all that kind of stuff, I think it will officially end around that mark. But the point being is we're reaching that point now where some of these guys, they're choosing not to come back. So the numbers are all funky. They're all wonky right now. Yeah. So, and this isn't something that just South Carolina is dealing with, but right now where they're at, they're a young team and that's just the reality of it. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I agree. I think that the, the tinfoil hat take was, it, it was pretty good. Um, getting a big red, it looks like one of our last questions here. Uh, does our conditioning have a part in why so many injuries are coming out of game one? Um, yeah, big red. Sorry, we weren't trying to. Answer. I just had it up, seeing if Mike would see it. But now, now we're getting to it. Um, so, Mike, I mean, what do you think? Does conditioning have a part in why uh, a lot of injuries coming out of Game One, or do you think it's just you know injuries itself? Yes and no. But for the most part, when you look at the other night, I think it was just really bad luck. Because you go back and you look, yeah. right? Case and uh, Case and Henry. You look at Nick Eamon Worry. You look at a lot of these injuries. A lot of these injuries took place at the beginning of the game. It was just really, really bad luck. It was bad luck. And it makes it that much worse when it's all happening at once. So I I don't want to put the blame on that. Now, again, it goes back to, and we would have to see how physical these camps are. Based on what Shane Beamer said, based on what Trey Knox said during camp, this was a physical camp. So, again, even though I'm out here with my little tinfoil hat on saying that college football as a whole – they might have an issue that they're not being as physical as they once were. According to the Gamecocks, according to someone who was not here last year and practiced with a different team in Arkansas, Trey Knox came here and said it was a physical camp. All right? So does that mean that because they're so physical, they're banged up going into the first game? No. I mean, there's going to be players that are, are nicked up here and there. The stuff with Juice Wells, that goes back to the offseason with his toe. So, I mean, these are yeah. things that some of the injuries lingered. Mo Kaba, God bless that young man and everything that he's been through, another knee injury. But um, I think more so it was just bad luck. Really, really bad luck to I agree. Just, you know. Kaba's injury was like on the first kickoff. So, um, I don't know if it was on the opening kickoff, but it was one of the first ones. Um, so, I, I fully agree. I think a lot of it was just kind of freak accidents. Uh, Mike, before we get to closing thoughts, Chris brought it up. It is the conversation of college football right now. Um, mm-hmm. Colorado, what Deion Sanders is doing out there in Colorado. We can touch on this quickly, and then we'll get to closing thoughts. But, Mike, just give me a quick minute, minute and a half, whatever you got for me on Colorado. I told you. No one wanted to listen to me. Now, granted, does this mean that Colorado is going to go win the Pac-12 and go make it to the college football playoff? No, no, no. I'm not saying that. But this was a team going into the season, even going back to the offseason, I said they were going to get six wins at least and make it to a bowl game. And they have a game against Nebraska, and I'm sure there's a lot of Gamecock fans who, even if they don't like primetime, they're going to be pulling for Colorado this weekend for one reason or another. But I I say that because I think it's important. I said this in the offseason, Joe, if you remember. Whether you like 
Deion Sanders, whether you like Colorado, I think it's important to pay attention to what's going on over there. Yep. Because again, and I think the word I the the phrase I used was what happens at Colorado will have an indirect effect on not just the Gamecocks, but the landscape of college football. And I'm not saying it's going to be necessarily the greatest thing in the world. It's going to be great for Colorado, and I think Dion can bring a lot of good things to the game. And, I mean, shoot, just think how much we've been talking about Colorado over the last 48, 72 hours. It's good for the sport. I mean, it's good for the sport. Um, yeah. When you have a team like that that goes from one win to, you know, pulling off an upset against TCU, a 20-point underdog, and they beat him on the road. But how does the success of Colorado this year, how does that impact teams like South Carolina indirectly? How does that impact them? Does it impact them in recruiting? Does it impact them in the transfer portal? There are certain things that it's going to have a ripple effect, and it's not just going to impact South Carolina. It's going to impact other teams out there. So again... While I do believe that that Colorado can have success this year, there's going to be people, there's going to be people out there that are going to be paying attention to what's going on at Colorado, and it's going to have an impact in a lot of different things after this year. I mean, it's just the reality of it. Yeah, hundred percent. No, I, I believe in what Dion is saying and doing, and I think they're kind of a lab for all the new things in college football because we haven't seen anything like this before. But, yeah, I mean, I certainly think he's a good good football coach. I f- certainly think he has good athletes. I love what Michael said. The portal works. Yeah, it does. I think Dion's, you know, really Shoot. testing. testing Forget about Dion. Forget sure about Dion in Colorado. Look what Florida State did. And Florida I don't want to and I don't want to waste. State. I, I don't want to be wasting Florida. time talking about former Gamecocks. Oh, At the end of the day, they're not here. However, okay, and I do have I do want to say this. Because this drove me nuts. Absolutely get to drove this me nuts. and then we'll get to closing arguments. Okay. I know Marshawn Lloyd. I know Southern Cal was playing, you know, a, a crap bag team the other day. I think it was Nevada. But when some of these players left, it was like, oh, we don't need them. They're bum. When Marshawn Lloyd was healthy, he was freaking good. He's phenomenal. And the, I'm sure there's a lot of people right now. And again, I'm not talking about the antics and all the other stuff that comes with it in terms As of saying, player. okay, you know, did he want to be here? Did he not want to be? I'm nope. strictly talking about. Weird. Him as a player. Yep. I'm sure there's a lot of Gamecock fans that would want him right now. Jaheim Bell, when used properly, he made an impact. He made an impact. But there was some, oh, we don't need him anymore. And that's not to say that Trey Knox can't be a better upgrade in the sense of what he can bring to the table. But what I'm trying to get at is there were guys that made decisions last year, business decisions, and they left. Okay? We're not going to spend a lot of time really talking about that. We do a story at the end of the year on how players who left performed because that was just something to keep an eye on. And, you know, I think it's something neat to talk about towards the end of the season, but we don't need to do this every week because we're not covering Southern Cal. We're not covering Florida state. We might talk about them occasionally. Like we're talking about Colorado right now. When we look at the big picture of college sports, but yeah, I, just say, I, show. I, I say that just because, you know, look, the transfer portal, and I don't want to get too sidetracked, but I think it's worth bringing up. I understand that there's frustration. Why didn't South Carolina get this person in the offensive line? Or why didn't they get this person in the running back? It's not like they weren't trying. But there's other factors into it. And this isn't 
an excuse. It's the reality of it. South Carolina, some of it, some of it, not all, some of it you can't control because it comes down to NIL. And I know some people can be like, what do you mean you can't control? You can control NIL. If the money's not there, where, where are you going to get it? You're going to go, you're gonna go uh, in your closet, get your board game, get some Monopoly money and throw it at a four-star? I mean, it, that's not how it works. That's no. not how it works. So there are definitely going to be things as we look ahead towards the offseason, which we obviously have plenty of time to, to, to go until then, there are going to be things that South Carolina is going to need to do that has nothing to do with X's and O's, that has nothing to do with what Shane Beamer can control, but it's going to have a big direct impact on South Carolina. And when we're talking about the indirects with South Carolina, with the Colorados of the world, Florida State, LSU's had a lot of success in the portal the last two years. They need to need to have some money out there. I can you know people are going to be like, well, you know, if if that's what they want to do and it's about the money, then we don't want them. Okay, you could say that, but don't be one of the first people to turn around come September when you know you're losing out on certain positions, whether it be offensive line, whether it be running back, and then you're the first one that says, man, South Carolina, they needed to do a better job in the transfer portal with O-linemen and running backs. You can't do that. You yeah. can't do that. Absolutely. Quick question from Tommy before I give my kind of closing arguments from uh, from today. How do I pronounce my last name? Well, it's Machika. Uh, Machika. Uh, Machika. Italian, yeah. Italian Maltese to be exact, that little island off the coast of Sicily. Um, so, yeah, Machika. Intern Joe Machika um, is the way you say it. But, uh, Mike, I mean, I guess in terms of a closing argument or closing thoughts for me today, uh, everything from the pressers and all that, I think this offensive line is headed in the right direction. Um, I, why, I why do you believe that? And the reason I'm cutting you off, because I just want to I want to play devil's advocate, because, because there's it's, people that hear you say that yeah. and they're going to say, what 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 makes you, uh, you know, here's what we're going to do. It's easy. You go with that thought. It's, it's you go with that easy. thought. You go easy. with that thought. I'm going to answer as as some of as some of these listeners may say. So you tell me that you think they're going to pro. Why? Well, first off, it's 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 week one, and there are going to be adjustments to begin with. Like, not every team is going to be picture perfect to that extent. And also, too, I mean, the offensive line, a group that hasn't played with each other yet, not not everyone all, all in one spot. I know a couple of guys were also banged up, but you need to make the mistakes to learn from them in the first place, right? You need to know that, you know, you might be – tipping off a couple tipping off a run or a pass on some different things. Like, I don't know. We don't know exactly who was doing it, but um, they do. Then and they're fixing it. Right. So you need to go against a different Jersey to put it together. Right. Like to, to understand where your holes are. So that way you can shore it up and, and get better. And then, you know, next week you learn from what you thought you, um, you patch the holes. Well, maybe they're not all patched. Maybe you have to do some extra work for some. So I, I think, you know, for his week one to be as bad as it is, I know not necessarily overcompensating, but I know they're taking it very, very seriously um, for this group of offensive linemen. And there are good leaders in that room too. So I have a lot of faith there um, in Gargiulo versus Sean Lee. They handled it well today. And the coaching staff seems, you know, very, very admin on, on you know, just getting Spencer more time. And I, I from everything I got from Gargiulo and, and Lee today is they want to do their best to help out the quarterback. And and I know they're, they're taking it upon them upon themselves to do better for this next week. A couple things, a little housekeeping before I have my final thoughts. Injury report today, in case you missed it. Of course, the big story of the day, Mo Cava is done for the year. The University of South Carolina announced that late this morning that Cava has 
injured his left knee. I know, Joe, we talked about it on the post-game show, unfortunately. We saw Mo leaving the field, going through the tunnel. He had the towel over his head and the in the um, crutches, and just you hate to see it because he's worked his tail off. And you could hear it from the players just how much of a leader he is and just the way he goes about things, helping the younger guys out, Stone Blanton. And how many times did we hear that this spring? Pup Howard. Here's a guy that was not able to practice, and that all these people, all these people were speaking highly of how much of an impact he was having. Um, injury report, though, outside of Mo being done for the year, unfortunately. Offensive lineman Marquis Anderson, he is doubtful. Nick Emanwuri, he's also doubtful. David Spaulding, doubtful. Latias Gear, he's doubtful. And then Casey Henry is out everyone else according to beamer today practice that includes juice wells how much juice plays this weekend is still to be seen beamer shared a conversation that he had with juice at practice today and juice basically told him like look i'm playing this weekend i'm playing this weekend i don't want to be limited at all this week at practice i'm ready to go i love the hunger that juice has hopefully though the Gamecocks aren't going to need him that much and he can kind of take a deep breath and he can be ready to go for a very tough Georgia team. But as I mentioned before, this is not a game. This is not a game that you should overlook. And that's not to say South Carolina. I think South Carolina will lose. I just think this Furman team is going to come out there and I I wouldn't be shocked. South Carolina goes three and out in their first series. I'm not going to be shocked. Shocked, and you'll hear the boo birds, all that kind of stuff. I think Furman will come out there and they'll be ready to go. And then I think at some point, the size, the speed, the strength differential between the two schools, South Carolina is going to pull away. And I think they're going to win by, you know, 20 plus points. But having said all that, I think the biggest thing for me, Joe, I mean, we talked about the offense, but defensively, it's just looking more sound when it comes to tackling, right? Yeah. Just finishing your tackles. Being in position to make the ta- make it, finish it. You're behind the line of scrimmage, TFL, finish it, right? Two-yard run, three-yard run, make the tackle. Stay on your feet. I saw a lot of that. I mean, I, I feel like my freaking dad talking um, from high school. Stay on your feet, make the tackle, all right? Especially against Furman. They have athletes, but you're bigger. No reason to be freaking going down after their ankles. Yeah. Um, offensively, though, as much as we talk about this offensive line, and trying to give them a chance to be able to move the ball. And I think Rattler can do just that. I want to see what this offense ultimately looks like. There were some, there were some hand bones out there that were, you know, saying, Oh, what do you expect from a Dow Loggins offense? Are you freaking kidding me? If anything, the offense, there was, I I don't know if you have the stats. I mean, Mike, we talked about it on the post game show, but I thought this offense looked a lot more put together and a lot more well-rounded than it did last year. Not to take a shot at Marcus Satterfield, but I was just, I, I mean, yeah, Dow and, and the adjustment. There were more explosive was, plays was, in one. It was, there was, it was more explosive one. plays in one game. One, right? Now, Grant, I think Everybody it's like half. has their adjustments, including Dowell Loggins. And yeah. I think that's what we just, I think that's what we saw. There were explosive plays. They were, I mean, I think they converted on like 20 or – it was a pretty good amount stacked up to the rest of the country in, in terms of explosive plays. Like it, it was pretty substantial. So I, it's a lot better than last year. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, no, I thought South Carolina did a nice job with it. Um, and, again, that is saying all that. Saying all that, 
despite the fact that South Carolina struggled to give Rattler any time to throw the football. So what does it look like if you can just give him a little bit more time and we can finally see what this offense is supposed to look like? Um, I mentioned the tackle and I mentioned just being able to run the offense that you envision, but it also just comes down to just gaining confidence. That's what this week's all about. It's gaining confidence. Now, certainly you want to go out there. You want to win the football game. And like I said, even though I think Furman could give them a little bit of a test early on, I think South Carolina is going to take care of business as they should. This game is to be able to gain confidence, right? Whether you're moving people around, as I mentioned, Nick Arjulo is playing left tackle. If a guy like Ja'Kai uh, Moore is playing right tackle, you figure out what that looks like out there. Who's playing left guard? Who's playing right guard? How do they play as a, as a unit? Is it cohesive? Are you able to gain that confidence so that when you have to go to Athens the following week and play the two-time defending champs between the hedges, you feel better about yourself? That's what this weekend's all about. And of course, and it goes without saying, stay healthy. It's obviously something you can't control, right? It's football. But at the same time, too, this is not a team that can afford to get banged up anymore. Yep. Not this early in the season. Not this early. You know, you're hoping some of those guys that we mentioned, the Nick Eamon worries of the world, we don't know what Marquis Anderson's status will be. You know, in terms of how much they'll use him, if at all, these next couple of weeks. But you need to be able to get these guys out there and have them healthy so that you can be able to have some type of depth so that, God forbid, someone does go down, you're ready to go. So it doesn't look like what took place the other night, which was, oh, man, offensive lineman goes down. Oh, man, Juice Wells goes down. And it was just a Chinese fire drill at that point. Yeah, 100%. All right, one last thing to make. Note of oh, housekeeping tomorrow. Tomorrow for South Carolina. I want to make sure I get the exact time right. Got the coordinator speaking as they get ready to look ahead to this upcoming week against Furman. We heard from Shane Beamer and the players today, but we will hear from the coordinators tomorrow. That will start at 1220. And lucky us. It's not just Dow Loggins and Clayton White. You also have special teams coordinator Pete Lembo. Pete is going to be interesting to listen to tomorrow. And the reason I say that is, even though he came across a little jolly today, we've mentioned he had the Tommy Bahama sandals on and all that kind of stuff. Bushwood Country Club shirt. Bushwood Country Club shirt. Sorry, this Um, is Bushwood. I'm interested to see what he thinks about the overall performance from special teams the other night. I, I would give it about a... B plus B and there are little things, right? Just calling out the directions when it comes to punting to make sure that you can give yourself the best chance to be able to down a punt inside the 10. I thought Kai had some really good punts, but unfortunately he wasn't able to angle them the way that he wanted to. But that also goes back to your gunners, giving your punter a chance to be able to down it inside the 10. And there were some miscommunications with guys running the complete opposite way, getting sucked into, you know, the returner, going left and the ball's going right or vice versa. So that's kind of it. All right, Joe. Hey, appreciate everyone that tuned in tonight. If you missed any of our show, be sure to head on over to the Gamecock Central YouTube page. You can watch this show in its entirety. Or if you're a podcast listener, head on over to the Gamecock Central podcast platform, wherever you listen to your GC podcast shows, and you'll be able to listen to this show in its entirety as well. And also, if you want some more content to watch before we – 
move along in the week. You can go back. You can find mixing a water from yesterday. Former Gamecock offensive lineman Garrett Anderson spoke on Sunday, the first, the inaugural show, the walkthrough with intern Joe. You can find that as well. And yeah, we all have GC through. Live shows all week long. GC Live show tomorrow with Chris and Wes. I'll be on at two o'clock on Thursday, and then Chris and Wes again on Friday, and then we'll also have the GC Live post game show on Saturday before intern Joe wraps things up and puts a bow on it on Sunday night with the walkthrough. So, hey, football's here. Football's here. Enough week for the Gamecocks, but you know what? Deep breath, okay? Like we talked about before in uh, the quick slants piece, you're only as good as your next play. What are you going to do next? What are you going to do next? And that's what the Gamecocks have to do on Saturday. If you go to the game, enjoy it, everybody. Maybe we'll see you around the – Stadium, it's going to be a night game, 7.30. Get ready, Williams Bryce. Football is back in Columbia. Have yourself a good rest of your week, and we'll see you over at the stadium on Saturday night as the Gamecocks look to get back in the win column when they take on Furman. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.